0: Hello, welcome to Healthcare Marketing <laughs> Insights. What? I can't go on. Are you you're, you're it's British? Gonna, I, was that British?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh,
0: I think it was Cockney. I don't know what it was. Here's my attempt <laughs> to come up with another intro that's unique.
1: I think you were perhaps inspired by the awards. Awards tomorrow.
0: I am. I am inspired by that and. I'll start by saying my name's Chris Bevelo, if you've never heard this before. We're Interval. We put on a podcast called Healthcare Marketing Insights, and this is it. And I'm joined by the first voice you heard was...
1: Adam Adam. Meyer, design director at Interval.
0: And the gasp of disgust you heard was from Jackie. (laughs) 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 Yes, Jackie Ritaco, account coordinator at Interval. Okay, so now we got that out of the way. Yes, the British Advertising Awards, which is at the Walker Art museum correct correct mm-hmm. and we as a firm are going to go enjoy that Friday so maybe we'll run into some people that listen to our podcast there that would be nice I mean statistically that's possible right I mean I think we've got a listenership of about six million people so odds are we'll run into
1: somebody <laughs>
0: <laughs> makes perfect sense to me
1: All right, is that yeah. listenership or potential listenership
0: that yeah that's potential listenership i think i think actually we're up to about 2 billion on potential which is one metric we use for evaluating the the success of our podcast and in <laughs> using that metric i think we're we're doing pretty well <laughs> anybody yes. who has two ears well, so i know that some people listen it.
1: i know some people listen but i haven't seen any comments yet on the uh, on itunes you know how you can leave comments after a uh, album or right. after a um uh, podcast is saying whether you like it or not um it would be it would be interesting if there are if we if we do have any listeners um <laughs> would certainly be cool Hello. to see uh see a comment or two on there unless <laughs> unless it's negative well, <laughs> let's in, let's on our website though oh yeah we we definitely get we definitely get some interaction there that's fun and i let's
0: encourage our listenership to post something on iTunes so if if you like our podcast you're a regular listener Go to iTunes, especially if you get your, if you already download from there, so it's already natural for you, and post some comments there. And they don't have to be positive. Just give us constructive criticism if it's negative. So Fair.
1: Sounds good to well, me. We hope
0: they're positive. We want them to be positive. <laughs> yeah. Of course we do. Well, if they're regular <laughs> listeners, we assume we're doing something okay. Unless they just love mm-hmm. to slam us every day <laughs> and listen repeatedly. You never know. Okay, we're going to dive in by talking about preconceived notions which we've got a uh, we've got an example of this that is comes from a blog that's related to healthcare, mhm called uh, Adam you found this, the skeptical hypochondriac.
1: Yeah, it's something that uh a couple other blogs that I follow had linked to his content once or twice and as a result I started following him um but it's a good site yeah he just puts up interesting nuggets links to articles that are health related there's not a ton of health related sites that i follow that i actually look forward to content from but his his is one just kind of of kind of the way he talks about things you know the skeptical hypochondriac the name of his blog kind of says it all it's just it's it's, he frames things in an entertaining way that makes me actually look forward to reading uh, what he has to talk about Right.
0: And, and he, I like his blog design. And so the article that, <laughs> that you cool. found that you, you're bringing forward here uh, is not necessarily health related. But again, I think it shows how there are assumptions, maybe even sacred cows that we all rely upon, that uh, maybe some further study might blow apart. And in this case, he's citing an article uh, in Slate that is based on research done by folks at the University of Toronto. And basically what they did was uh, they looked at people that consider themselves environmentally uh, correct. Is that a word? Responsible. (laughs) Responsible, yes. And I think the preconceived notion is that if you are somebody that recycles, if you are somebody that cares about environment, you're selfless. Altruistic. uh, You care a lot about others. You're altruistic. And the research kind of shows that, you know, actually some of these people are pricks (laughs) and there might even be a correlation (laughs) there. So here's the, here's the quote from the skeptical hypochondriac. He says, uh, buying green and local products is one of those things that makes you a better person, right? Well, maybe not. There's also the risk that these lifestyle choices will make us complacent, sapping the drive to call senators and chain ourselves to the coal plants. Tweaking your shopping list, the argument goes, is at best woefully insufficient and maybe even counterproductive. New research by Nina Mazar and Chen Bo Zhang at the University of Toronto levels an even graver charge that virtuous shopping, so this is based on how you shop shop for green products, Mm -hmm. virtuous Mm -hmm. shopping can actually lead to immoral behavior. In their study, which is described in a paper in uh, psychological science publication, subjects who made simulated eco-friendly purchases ended up less likely to exhibit altruism in a laboratory game and more likely to cheat and steal
1: <laughs> isn't that That's interesting awesome. it is but you know we we've talked about this a little <laughs> before something similar um i can't remember which episode it was uh but we we, we talked about people rewarding themselves for fitness and how 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 exercise and there's a time article i think we linked to it I'll, we can we can dig it up but it's right, like a whole right. article in time about how the way that a lot of people are appro- approaching exercise and fitness is actually harmful to them um because they 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 after they engage mm-hmm. in something healthy a healthy activity they feel this need to reward themselves so they'll eat some big muffin that just totally negated everything they did and and <laughs> and then some so this is really as along that the same that same, those same lines. It's like you feel like you've done something good and now all of a sudden, I don't know if, if 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 it's that you feel you need to compensate for it or you feel entitled to be able to do the opposite now or something, or it's like, it's like your mind is mm-hmm. trying to create some sense of balance to balance your good with some evil. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, uh, it's it,
0: interesting. It's called, it's called moral licensing. Well, yes. And this is, is, this is from the, the, uh, slate article. <laughs> which says, rightly so, it would be foolish to draw conclusions about the real world from just one paper uh, and from the artificial scenario that they use, the experiment. But the findings add to a growing body of research into the phenomenon known among social psychologists as moral credentials or moral licensing. Uh, And basically what it says is the historical viewpoint, the preconceived notion, is that people progress steadily toward more sophisticated decision-making. So, Uh, The more moral you are, you know, you just move along kind of a, a progression to get better and better and better. But an emerging school of thought stresses the capriciousness of moral responses. When people have the chance to demonstrate the goodness, even in the most token of ways, they then feel free to relax their ethical standards. So it's the exact same example where, hey, I went, I did this good thing, so now I'm free to do this bad thing
1: it's you basically giving yourself a break right it's i I'd, I'd never well i mean i guess with with exercise when i read that it made sense i and and not that this doesn't make sense i just never cuz i never thought of it in terms of this before but it it's certainly once you think about it it's uh it, it it makes sense i thought what do we what did you what was the term you brought up earlier chris i think limousine liberals who limousine like, liberals? Who, fit, who fit this profile <laughs> to a t
0: yes yeah, so Al Gore is the, is the epitome of that. Who won a Nobel Prize for an inconvenient truth, and then people discovered he lived in this giant home that was, you know, sucking up so much so much electricity it could like power a small town. <laughs> so, so it, it's the exam It's the it's a per- you know whether or not he falls into this moral licensing. Uh, I mean, I think I'm guilty of that. I I I know I've consciously thought, hey, I'm doing this. So I don't need to bother
1: to do that, right? Well, I think it's human. Instead it's of human nature, it's human nature, right? Yeah, I think I think we're all, I think we all are guilty of it. I think anybody who says they're not guilty of it is naive.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there are people and in certain ways that really try to live it, certain aspects of it to its fullest. I mean, if you're very passionate about the environment, uh, I'm sure there are a segment of people that. Uh, really go all out. But I guess what this is saying is the the cheating and the stealing was unrelated to the environment. Right, right. So it wasn't that they were like tossing plastic bottles out the window. It was that in another setting of their life, they did something that really wasn't as upstanding as you would expect. Mm
1: -hmm. Now,
0: how that relates to healthcare marketing, I'm not sure, other than (laughs) it teaches us to continue to question our sacred cows and preconceived notions. Right. And I think a great example of that is one that we, it's hard to, we haven't been able to prove anything yet, but the idea that women make all the decisions in healthcare and just a blanket approach like that, I'm sure there's gobs of research Mm -hmm. that supports that, but there are certainly scenarios I know of where that's not the case. And if you're assuming that in those cases, you're missing the boat. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of, I think it teaches us to make sure that we're not just accepting whatever has been accepted. Right. Right. Just because you recycle doesn't mean you're not a meanie. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I call them pricks. Maybe that's hard. But they said they were stealing and cheating. I mean, isn't that the definition? If you look up prick in the dictionary, (laughs) I think one of the definitions would be someone who cheats and or steals. Right.
1: I was about to go to prick.com, but I'm guessing I might not like what I see.
0: Not not wise.
1: That's not wise.
0: <laughs> we'll use meanie.
1: Meanie. Okay, they're meanies. All
0: <laughs> right, let's let's switch gears and go to uh another interesting topic. And we've we've tackled this before, but I think this is really valuable for us to do every once in a while, and that is look at uh the subjectivity of something like naming or corporate identity and just how tough it is to really land on an agreed approach to any of these things and the challenges that, that those those strategies pose for healthcare marketers. And Adam, I'll let you describe the example that you brought forward with this regarding the city of Philadelphia.
1: Sure. Well, it's, it was a, um, an identity launch that, uh, has raised a little bit of, a uh, a scene in the uh, design community. Um, and one of the big uh, naysayers of this identity for the city of Philadelphia was um, on a blog that I follow called Brand New, and this is what he does: he um, he reviews identity work. He's a designer, brand designer himself. Um, but a lot of people who follow his blog and he's got some really great opinions. You know, sometimes I disagree, but a lot of times I think he's right on. And this was an interesting one. I mean, we'll we'll get a link into the show notes so you can uh, check out the post and see the identity. Um but basically the city of Philadelphia has a new identity. Uh, and it was created pro bono from I believe a group that is local there called the Star Group. Um and he the, he's not I he I don't think he has anything at all good to say about this identity. <laughs> um everything f- yeah. you know from from pointing out that they're using web you know, typefaces that are optimized for the web not for print to um to the physical, to the nature of the way that, I mean, they use the Liberty Bell as the icon for the logo and just the way that they angled it, um, it's physically impossible. Like there were things you need to compensate for the, the ringer inside the bell needs to be hanging, you know, down straight down. It wouldn't still be straight in the middle of the bell when the bell's at an angle that the, the wood structure that the bell is hanging for, can't, can't from, can't Uh. be angled like that with the bell. I mean, there's just a lot of these physical traits that are just impossible with the way the bell is positioned. And not to mention that I think it's just a kind of a common, a lot of, I think it's it's an amateur, it's an amateur practice in design. A lot of times to take something and think that to give it interest, you need to just slant it a little bit. I mean, it's, it's kind of like web design where it's like, you need to make something flash in order to get anybody's attention to it. It's like, no, that's not necessarily the case. So that was another rip on this thing. It's like, you don't need to take the liberty bell and angle it to make it interesting um so you know mm-hmm. it's some of these points i agree with but um and there's one that we discussed before the show uh that i think we do agree on that's uh that we disagree with with the guy from uh from brand new i'm trying to remember his name here too it'll come to me but and and that point was um well, let me bring up where i uh had read that from
0: here. well his his point was The use of the—I'll give you the quote, and you can respond with what we were talking about. The use of the Liberty Bell. And he said, conceptually, the choice of using the bell could not be more uninspiring and obvious. It's uninspiring because choosing one icon means intentionally choosing not to showcase the actual abundance of Philadelphia's history. It's a drawing of a bell and nothing more. Right. So part of my issue was it's a logo. You don't expect to show all the attractions. You're not going to
1: embody a, a city's entire history in a single mark. And in fact, and, and
0: if you're gonna pick one, the bell the is bell the is one. Probably, no the question. One.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a great retort um, to somebody who agreed with pretty much everything he had to say, except for that point. And I and I think I'm kind of on board with that too. Um, this the guy who had the retort. His name is Mike Montiero. I'm not sure exactly. Where he's from, but I can figure that out, but his, his his comment was that the issue here is on Mr. Sen's use Mr Sen is the uh writer for the for the original blog uh his use of uninspiring and obvious by which I believe Mr. Sen means it was not a clever choice, and I'd agree with that. It's not clever, but neither does it have to be. The goal of design is to nail the problem, not showcase the cleverness of the designer. There are times when the solution to the problem is such a ridiculous slam dunk that cleverness only gets in the way of good work. The problem with the new Philadelphia brand isn't the bell. It's the crap execution. And I think that's a perfect summary. And I think that's, I agree with that 100%. I think think there are a number of agencies out there who do, and designers who do work because the the solutions they come to, the options they push on clients are things that they think are going to be Portfolio showcase pieces for them. They don't not they're not necessarily encouraging the use of it mm-hmm. because they think it's the right solution for the client's problem, or maybe they weren't even you know on some level not even thinking about solving the problem, but trying to create portfolio work. Um, and I think that's the point he's getting to here is that. It, a lot of times the cleverness to get to to get to meet those means it gets in the way of something that's so obvious to actually address the problem. It's people not creating you know what the what the client needs but creating what they need per se per se right um mm-hmm. and on in that sense right. i i I agree entirely i think the the bell is is probably the perfect mark. it just wasn't executed well
0: well and I like to take the non designer view of all this because I think that represents our clients executives, physicians, other people, and there are some parts of it like the the complaint about the bell is obvious. Well, of course it's obvious to your point, the whole point of why wouldn't you pick what's obvious that solves the problem. I can't argue with, you know, it's hard for me to argue that tilting it on its side is a, it wasn't executed appropriate as far as gravity goes and B that's mm-hmm. cliche. I don't know where it's cliche. So I trust you on that. The idea that it's using a font that's that's intended for web use, I don't understand at all. The, I don't. I look at this thing and I have. no right. have to be kind no of understanding why they couldn't. You have to be a somewhat. Why of a couldn't type-file. that be printed on
1: a? Oh, it certainly can be. It certainly can be. I mean, you have to be. It's in order to have that critique, and I don't. I don't think I even jumped to that conclusion. You have to be somewhat of a typified. Somebody who who loves type, that, studies type, probably creates type, and you know. These little subtle nuances that, that that lead to proper legibility, whether it's in print or on the web, and when you see those praxi- practices executed in one place or the other, it, it makes you cringe. Um, I don't, I don't. Obvi- but, obviously, you're not in that camp. Um, but, no, I don't. I don't see anything wrong with well, it. I of don't course you don't. But There are probably in your in your in what you, in the areas of your expertise, there are times when you're going to see things that you think are absurd. <sighs> But other people are going to look at it and be, I I don't know what you're seeing. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, that's just that's how it that's kind of how it goes when it comes to professions in general. Right, he doesn't he doesn't
0: defend that. He just says it's designed for web. But that doesn't tell me that it can't be. That to me sounds like somebody who's so deep into it they can't pull themselves out and say, well, it was designed for the web, but you're not giving me a. That doesn't tell me as a non-designer why it can't be used. Well, I don't think his, All his it says blog, is it wasn't right, but his blog
1: that. is read by designers. It's not I mean I th- his content is geared right, towards but, designers. Right, but that's it's part not of the design problem. Towards, right. This is a resource, this is a resource <laughs> for de- that <laughs> is primarily visited by designers. Right. So when they read they come here and read this a lot of, you know, it makes sense for somebody who maybe doesn't think on those terms. Yeah, some of it's going to probably be you're going to be what are you talking about? Why would you say that?
0: Well, but 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 in the end, that argument doesn't matter. Then, if the end buyer, user, viewer doesn't know the difference, well, what difference does that I make? I think. So, I think. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let me move on. We don't want to debate fonts.
1: Well, no, I know. I to a quick right? point, though. I think there. I think that there is, <laughs> there is a difference to be made in that there's certain I mean, and and as you know, and and what I know, you wouldn't argue with that. There are typefaces that are designed for specifically. For use in certain scenarios, there are some that are designed to be read large at a distance, and therefore they're great for traffic signs or sure. for wayfinding, things sure. like that. It's just the very structure of the typeface itself lends itself to be legible in certain circumstances. These typefaces that were used were specifically designed to be for optimized legibility mm-hmm. on the web. That was his point. It doesn't mean they can't be used elsewhere. It just means that's not right. necessarily what right. they were designed for.
0: Well, that's what I'm missing. I'm missing a a valid argument to just say that's what it was for. doesn't tell me why it can't use other places. But the other thing I really wonder about here is, are all these hackles up because this was done pro bono? In other words, people are as ticked off by the fact that somebody did this for free. And that that raises their ire and their attention. And not that they wouldn't be complaining Mm -hmm. about misuse of font or... Uh, a tilted bell if it was, you know, pentagram or monogol or somebody who spent, you know, charged a million bucks for it. Uh, Maybe it might even be more egregious then, but it does make me wonder whether it's a lot of fury because they didn't get the job or it shows that this is a commodity, a commodity.
1: Right. And they don't like that. No, I think that's, I think it's certainly valid. I think had, there, but, but at the same time, there have been plenty of marks that have been put out from the big guys that have been just torn apart. Um, right. So I don't think, Tropicana. Right, yeah, it, well, that whole brand redesign. Yeah. I don't think that the big guys are immune from such criticism. Um, I think there's a growing backlash against doing this kind of pro bono work, just because it seems like there's obviously there are certain places where pro bono work is entirely appropriate, um, Maybe the city of Philadelphia is. I don't. I don't know. Um, I think I. I have a tendency to think of nonprofits and stuff when I think of where pro bono work is appropriate. Um, so that that certainly could yeah. be one reason that people are, are are lashing out against it as well.
0: the The, the whole thing smells of the very problem that, that that anybody who's doing corporate identity has, which is trying to sell people on something new and and so much of what i read in this blog post feels like the response i would expect from a physician who doesn't like he doesn't even understand that he doesn't want to see something new because it's it's when people see something new they typically have a negative reaction to it and all of this you know his quote says for re-branding, rebranding a city, these connections are paramount. Without it, we're left with the same old brand image that any big city suffers from, a festering stew of corruption, bureaucracy, a half-assed government initiatives. That's exactly what this logo is a reminder of. Hey, at least it cost us nothing. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, there's no way, unless you're just intentionally being a...
1: Biatch. Well, he's taking... You
0: read all that into that. He's taking this one to heart
1: because it's his hometown. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he critiques logos every day. I mean, he's got a new post up here literally almost every day. A lot of them are great and they're praising great design work, great marks, uh, great designers. Um, But yeah, I mean, there definitely are times where he rips into one. This is one of those. And I think you're seeing him take it to heart and take it personally because he has a personal connection to it, being that it's the city he lives in. Um, but he's got, he's got a lot of valid points and he's got obviously as, as we've discussed points that we don't agree with, but that's what makes it so fun. (laughs) Yes.
0: It is. Well, we'll, we'll put all this stuff up on the site and we'll see what people, what other people have to say and they can weigh in and, um, but it's always good to, to kind of look at that. And I think it helps other people think through how they present Mm -hmm. logos, how they design them Mm -hmm. and all that. Jackie, we haven't Mm -hmm. heard from you. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I was scared to butt in there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, when I looked at it, I didn't think it was horrible. I mean, once, once Adam, you know, once I read the post and Adam gave his opinion, it's amazing how you can all of a sudden look at it and just dislike it <laughs> more than you do when you first looked at it. But, I mean, if I were a client, I guess I, you know, I can see where they wouldn't see the failings that, you know, a designer would, to Chris's point. So... That's the key question know, is whether that matters or not. I think you definitely want to trust the expertise of designers, but in the end, mm-hmm. if I can't tell one font from another and I'm general population, does it really matter? Certainly it does with readability and things like that. But but that's kind of the point. Right. If you look at this for the first time and you don't have any opinions and then some designer who's pissed off for other reasons we're not aware of sours you on it. That has as much to do with whether you like it as if somebody had posted this. This is the best logo ever. It's right. you know, there's so much of that that impacts something this subjective. But we better leave it, or we're never going to get done with this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I know. All right, one more thing, and then we we do have to run because we're hitting we're hitting our timeline here. We did put up a uh, a new blog post this week about social media snake oil. And it was really based on a Business Week article that was of the same name. Uh, kind of a growing backlash by marketing professionals and business leaders to all the hype and buzz of social media and particularly of people that are hanging out shingles saying, I'm a social media expert. You should spend gobs of money to hire me. Uh, there's mm-hmm. even even among social media followers and marketers there's kind of a civil war between those people who say this is so new you can't possibly know what you're doing you know or promise any kind of results to the people that claim to be as we noted in a podcast a few times ago hey i've had 10 years of social media expert and if you don't hire me you're pretty much an ass clown <laughs> so it's 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 another one of those things that i'm not sure there is a correct answer but it would be great to hear from uh especially those people on the client side who have maybe had to face this uh people coming in and trying to sell them one thing or another and, and what their perspectives are and you see that out lot you guys got any like thirty second thirty seconds opinions on that
1: yeah i mean i think <laughs> I think one of the great examples that even before you know a lot of the uh the boom in social media experts was the s e o experts um and most of it was mm-hmm. crap, most of it was a crock. I had uh, uh, I sent some link out earlier to a great article that summarized how most SEO, most modern SEO is not is it, it's, it's 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 not it's not rocket science. I mean it's 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 a, it's a matter of building, it's a matter of today mainly creating great content. Sorry, I'm exceeding my 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 length, aren't
0: I? I'm giving the Adam See, we like in TV, you have a certain like symbol like, that you give. Like the shepherds crook like, to you. tell people to like to like like bring it to a close. <laughs> you know, the symbol I'm giving Adam is not one that most would use.
1: <laughs> I'm not even sure what
0: it was. I thought you were like oh. <laughs> <laughs> That one, yes. No one yeah. needs to know is what no, it is. No, it's just a you? secret. The- we were going to wrap up though. Jackie, any opinions? Snake oil? No, I'm good. I'm I'm under a time crunch here. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm sorry. All right. Well, okay. let's sign up. Well, we can continue this discussion next time. Hopefully, we'll get some comments we can build on. But for healthcare, for healthcare marketing insights, this is Chris Crikey Bevelo. Right-o. Oh, that's Australian. That's what it is. <laughs> Adam Meyer. <laughs> Jackie Rattackle. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs>